get it freaking popping. Dysfunctional Family, episode Magic Johnson. That's 32 for you non-sports fans. Take one. Take only. Or only take. I said that backwards. Oh, nah, they going crazy outside. Yo, our screen is open and somebody right now is outside just running around and screaming. But we going to record anyway. Um, for all those watching and listening, we appreciate you. Let's get back to eating, living on top of the world. Mm. Let's get back to potting. Yo, they are wild. I don't, I don't think these mics going to pick it up, but it's super distracting. But I'm going to keep going because this is... <laughs> This is a wild way to start an episode. But let's get back to partying. Living on top of the world, baby. We back. Episode 32. I am Deshaun. Oh, I'm Amanda. Yep, that's her. Um, Yo, we coming straight from a wedding right now. I'm not lit. First of all, let me say this because that is going to start like it's coming off wrong. Like I'm like coming in saucy. I am not sauced. You coming from a wedding and you know how I give it up. For those that don't know that don't follow me on social media at official redeem, I'm Mr. Reception out here in these streets. That's what they call Self-proclaimed. me. Self-proclaimed. Mr. Reception. Self-proclaimed, publicly affirmed, Mr. Reception. That's what they call me when the energy get low. A lot of people call me that that she don't know. Nobody calls her that. She don't be in my stories or my DMs, so she don't know. But they call me Mr. Reception. <laughs> and when they get crazy, when the energy get low, I'm the one that they call on to hit the dance floor. So tonight I did a couple Harlem straight shakes. I got sturdy a little bit. <sighs> it was a lot, man. But, you know, shout out to our friends. And, um, yeah, we, we, we're tired. But we're here because we love you. And um, we want to serve you good information and quality content. So. I'm usually the one that's like not behaving at the beginning of the episodes. And today he's not behaving. That's a statement. So recently Zara. uh, So first of all. And Yanea. If you are watching this on on YouTube. Please do anything that is algorithm boosting. That's a like. That's a comment. Share. That's a save to a playlist like watch later. If you are on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Deezer or anything else. It's not Deezer. Deezer's for music. Deezer's for music. But um the other ones that plays podcasts. Dang, it's a lot of y'all out there, but we love you. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, please do us a favor, rate us, comment about us. And um, yeah, now you can get into the anecdote. This episode is sponsored by Frida Souls Clothing. Yes. Liberated luxury. FridaSoulsClothing.com. Tell them we sent you. But we. Yep. Tell them we sent you. Tell us that we sent you. Tell them that we sent you. Recently, Zara and Yanea were. very uncomfortable right now. Recently, Zara and Yanae were in their playroom 
Lots of movies that you make you feel uncomfortable. Playing. Playing makes you feel uncomfortable? No, just, I'm in the anecdote. Well, we can't move forward if you feel uncomfortable. Let's just, let's just get like the comfort, took, let's took, get the discomfort took, out so that we can pull out the you right way. my role. So you feel uncomfortable. And now I don't know what to do. Mm, sounds like some identity no. issues. Something some sort of about. Recently, Zara and Yanea were in their playroom playing. We're never shooting after a wedding again. Um, and Zara, well, Yanea came to me to tell me that Zara had written on the walls with a marker. Um, Zara came <laughs> and had no choice. What? What's happening right now? I wish that y'all could see Yo. what I see. I'm doing my best to be professional. So, Yanea told me that Zara had written on the walls in the playroom. Zara came and told on herself that she had written on the walls in the playroom. Right. I had a whole conversation with her about it, about how writing on the walls is not okay. And made her clean up after herself. After she had done so, she came back to me and she said, are you going to tell daddy what I did? And in my mind, it was like, sure, I could, but no, I'm not. Because we, we talked about it. You understand why it's not okay. You, you know, you had to clean up your mess. So I told her that I'm not going to tell daddy, but it still begged the question that, you know, although I handled the situation, was taken care of, why did she think that she still, I don't know, deserved or not, but why did she think that there was still the possibility of some kind of harsher punishment from daddy? Because that question, are you going to tell daddy, implied that the punishment that she got, which was really just cleaning up after herself, wasn't enough. That she kind of expected something harsher and that it would come from daddy. I blame the mothers. Wow. Right out the gate. Okay. Yes. Because whenever a kid gets in trouble, it's always, all right, watch. I'm going to tell your father. Right? So now you create this image about us that they anticipate this worse or harsher punishment. Now, I will say that there is some physical, like there's a physical element involved. Obviously, there are outliers where there are relationships where the male is not bigger than the female, but in most cases, that's not the case, right? So I think there's like some physical element involved where the tenor of a man's voice statistically is generally deeper than most women's voices, right? And I think that the male being the more physical and bigger presence in the home does have some impact on, on how they're like, I guess how they're perceived, not that they're dangerous, but they're more like they're bigger. So they're more capable of danger. If, like if I get in trouble, if I get popped, if I get screamed at like the tenor of a man's voice screaming is different from from a woman's voice screaming, right? Once again, this is typically, this is generally, there are obviously outliers where women have deeper voices than their counterparts, but I don't know many people that's like that. We are. So I think your voice is not deeper than mine. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, nah, this is crazy. <laughs> oh, she's wild. 
Um, <laughs> she cleared her throat. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I think there's like an element where there's an undeniable physical reality, like physiological reality that I think is perceived and I don't think it's avoidable, right? Because there are moments where I actively work to not be intimidating in terms of like, if if the kids do something wrong and I try a more compassionate approach, like for instance, the other day, um, I picked Zara up from school and it's just her and I, her, she and I home and we're reading and we're working on reading and she was messing up some words. And even though she was messing up certain words, like I can see she starts to get teary eyed and I asked her, why are you getting teary eyed? And she said, um, because she said, because you're, you're screaming. And it was crazy because I was like, <laughs> the approach I was taking was so anti like discipline. It was like, you got it, baby. You can do this. <laughs> and she was like, you're screaming. I was like, yeah. I was like, no, I was like, baby, does it sound like that? He's screaming. I was like, exactly how I'm talking. I was like, baby, does it sound like that? He's screaming. And she was like, uh, yeah. And then you can start telling, like, it wasn't really me screaming. It was her getting flustered. I'm like, dang, it's her messing up. Is she intimidated by me? And then I like, now I start to think back, like historically, like dang, did I do something that I, that I, you know, not create a safe enough space where I, as a father, make her feel safe. But then I realized, like, nah, man, to be doing this. Whenever they get in trouble, is I'm gonna tell daddy, and I need to know why wives do that. Like, why do mothers like weaponize the father? And now, when we want to try to be like loving and compassionate and tender, the child is like. Like, I have great relationships with my girls, but when they get in trouble, I can't, even when I want to take, like, a different approach, it's like, they still, like, treat themselves like they just got in a lot, a lot of trouble. And I'm like, like, that's not even the approach I took. But mommy always talking about, daddy gonna get you. Like, why you do that? Why y'all be doing that? That's what I need to know. Don't look confused. Why you do it? This is not in the notes. I was not prepared for this. <sighs> Why are you going to answer the question? I don't know if I should. Well, maybe it's you. So, yeah, I could make the threat that I'm going to tell daddy, but if you didn't fit the narrative and show up <laughs> and... Show up how? How do I show up? And show up mean when I say I'm going to tell daddy, then they wouldn't be scared. So I can I say I'm going to tell daddy, but if you show up and you're I nice... And you're not mean to them, then I what's show you? Up. What's your fault? All right, so next time the girls do something they're not supposed to do. All right, no, in all seriousness, like sometimes they be laughing at me and I be dead serious. Like I'm I'm screaming, I have a straight face. I'll even pop them and they'll be laughing. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not all, playing with you. I'm not playing with you. you oh, you want, oh, so you want to get hit, hit. Daddy's on his way home. But I usually don't hit them. Yeah, but the the idea that you could or would, nah. like, stop playing with me. Like I'm dead serious. Don't 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 laugh at don't laugh. All right, I'm not messing with you. All right, all right. This this episode is about to take a little bit of a turn because I think that I think that I have advice for why this happens, even though it's not in our notes. I have to like pivot. I'm going to get tangential real quick. I think. 
I'm gonna say this. Are are you? Am I? Can I pod? Like, am I okay to say this in the public in front of however many people view and listen to this? Episode? I don't know what you're about to say. So even if, if I say no, you're gonna say it. Anyway. No, if you say no, I will not say it. I Why would I disrespect you your say, boundaries? So it's I can't say. I can't answer if I don't know what it is. But it's something that's critical of. It's like a critique of how I think you respond to certain things. Wow. So if you don't feel comfortable, then we can talk about it. I don't it. know if I feel comfortable because I don't know what it is. Are you comfortable with me critiquing you publicly? That's what I'm asking you. This, we do that every episode. No, we don't. We critique each other. No, we I just don't. critiqued you and said that you fit the narrative. Yes, so. we do that every episode, not right, this episode. Ahead. If it's not good, we'll edit it out. I'm not talking about out. this episode. If it's not good, we'll edit it out. There's a lot of episodes where we are on the same page, where we're not critiquing each other. It's us against a, a, an idea. I'm ready. For the critique? Okay. I think... That you treat every issue with the same amount of urgency. That's crazy. So now all of your responses to everything is the same when you want something done. Just stop playing with me. But, but, yes, stop playing with you, but hear me out. I'm not playing with y'all. You're right. You're not playing with them. If you tell them to clean up their room... They should get to it. If you tell them, hey, go brush your teeth, they should get to it. If you tell them, hey, stop kicking the walls, they should get to it, right? But I think if everything is addressed with the same amount of urgency, then now the things that are more serious loses its, it loses its oomph. It loses its power. So now when it's like a thing that like is really, really serious that you're trying to address, it's hard for them to decipher it from the things that you were corrective, like you like that you corrected, but it wasn't as serious. Does that make sense? Like, oh, they might have walked away and left the fridge door open by mistake. That's not that serious, but you use the same tone as if they like, like, I don't know. Yeah, because they disobeyed like a more serious request. It's all urgent. Don't play with me. It's not, but that's my that's why but that's why they can't take it serious. You get what I'm saying? Like if every time you do something I threaten you with, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, oh, I'm going to do this. Ah, ah. After a while, you get desensitized to, to, the, to the scream. You get desensitized to the hit. You get desensitized to the, not being funny, I'm going to use my parents as an example, right? Now, my, I don't, and it, shout out to my parents. They're both alive and they both are great parents, but they believe in corporal punishment. It's not that I don't believe in it. I just think that it may have been overused in moments where there could have been more communication, right? Check this out. My dad used to hit harder than my mom, right? But my mom hit more often. So it wasn't just the fact that he hit harder, but he just didn't hit all the time. It had to be like really serious. So after a while... (laughs) Because my mom would just like go off on us for like not listening to certain things, serious and sometimes not serious. The hits don't like hurt as much. So it don't have as much of an impact. And I think that's what's starting to happen with like your requests. I don't be hitting them like that. No, 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 no. Your requests. That's what I'm saying. I'm using my mom's hitting as the equivalent. Sorry if I I insinuate you are hitting them. I'm using my mom's hitting as like. Don't call child services on me. I'm using my mom's hitting as. Okay. And we don't want that. We don't want that. I'm using my mom's hitting as the equivalent to your urgency in it. It's like they might like, like I said, if they do something small, you got to differentiate the approach than if they do something really, really serious. 
Because now if everything's serious, you also have to think that everything's small as well. The hits stop hurting. The don't do or the stop doing stop hurting. Whereas me, if they don't, I'm not trying to like to my own home, but there's just a difference in like the way I compartmentalize the urgency. I'm not saying I don't use stern tones with my children. I do, but it's only when I think they're doing something that like really requires a, a stern tone. Whereas when it's something that doesn't, I'm a little more girls come here. What should you be doing right now? I'm not like parent flexing, but I just think that that's why you're not getting the response you want to see. More little story is stop playing with me. <laughs> but I think moving forward, one thing that we have to think about and consider is what this mindset about daddy or father figures, generally speaking, being like the tougher punisher out of, um, you know, between dads and moms. We have to consider what, what this mindset says about their views on men in general. Because when they get in relationships when they're older, um, you know, whether it's just a boyfriend or in a marriage with their when they're uh, communicating with their husbands, will they something that we have to think about now is if they have this mindset towards you as like this corporal punisher, will they view the other men in their lives as like these law enforcement type figures where they're not partnering with their boyfriend or their husband to resolve an issue, but they more so fear consequence from their partner. You know what I mean? Like it, how how but much how mean. much yeah, control over that do we have? I'm the victim here. And I'm the one who Okay. <laughs> not only that, but we also have to consider what that says about me as a woman and a mom and how that translates into their ideas of their role and their capabilities as women and the power that they have. So is it always that when we run into trouble, they become docile and submissive in a negative way? Because I, I don't believe to use submissive in a some kind of in a ne- negative connotation. But I hope I'm saying this right. My thoughts are still formulating. But do they? I want to make sure that their views on on men and women and the roles that they play not only now, but when they transition into, you know, mother and, and, and have a husband and those types of roles that they're not skewed. Are you saying you don't want them to, cause you kind of like confusing me. Yeah, are you I'm saying you don't want them to, are you saying you don't want them to see women as incapable of making not tough decisions, but as, like women incapable of being able to hold down the fort and yeah, like it shouldn't always and make a request and it be something that people listen to. Yeah, because that translates not only inside the home, but like if they have some kind of leadership role in in a job or a business that they don't feel like they need to go to a man to fix a problem to solve a tough issue, but that them as women, as mothers, as leaders that they're fully capable and equipped to handle whatever tough situations life brings to them. So it's more than just how they'll be as wives and mothers, but also how they'll be as women in leadership and power and the possibility and potential of them being able to solve tough problems without the help of a man. So then what needs to be done? 
I don't know. <laughs> because I feel like oh, a lot of times. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I just feel like a lot of times I don't like the feeling of, like there was a moment a couple of weeks ago, and this is just me keeping it all the way 100. Like there was a, I was in the room ironing and Zara comes in on a hot summer day. It's like a ninety something degrees outside, and she has these thick leather cowgirl boots. And she says, "Daddy, mommy asked me to ask you if I could wear my boots." And I'm like, "Well, one, it's ninety something degrees outside. No, you can't wear boots, right? That's, that's my, like that's my first mindset. But in two, I'm like, wait, why did mommy tell you to come and ask me? I was like, did you ask mommy? And she was like, yeah, but she said to come ask you. And I'm like. So then when you came in, I was like, yo, why did you send her in me? Why didn't you just send her into me? Why didn't you just make the decision? And then you were like, well, you know, I didn't want to. I was like, nah, so why? Nah, I got to make it like, no, t- tell just, her no, could, it's 90 plus degrees. I could have just told her no, but there have also been times where I didn't necessarily approve of her outfit. And he was like, I just let her, you know what I'm saying? Because Zara's really like a creative, like nothing is really. Eclectic thinker. Yeah. That's more a better word. She's very eclectic and just like free spirited. So she kind of just goes with how she feels. Yeah, she doesn't. Wear, like, she doesn't fit into a box. Outfits outside and yeah. Like, can I wear this? My just the craziest thing. So sometimes I just give her free reign as long as it's weather appropriate. So, but that, exactly. But that's that's exactly. But you're what I'm more saying. inclined to say yes to like her weird stuff. But, yeah, but so I, yeah, I could have just said no. It's ninety degrees. You can't wear boots. But, I think in this situation, though, what I'm saying is. There was a clear, there was a clear like demarcation here, and it was the weather, right? The weather makes our our decision more unified and obvious. Yeah, right. So it was like, why'd you send her into me to make the tough decision of having to tell her no? Of course, I like say yes when it's certain things that I think. It's not like it's inconsequential. Like it's not going to hurt or harm anything. So sure, why not let her explore? But in this case, it was like her feet are going to literally be pools of water when she gets home if we let her wear these big boots outside. That's what I'm saying. So like, but there are moments, I guess what I'm getting at is as a dad, and I don't know, man, maybe fathers out there, y'all let me know. Y'all let us know in the comments. We'll probably post some of this stuff on social media. But, like, do you feel, like, in the household you're used for your manhood, but in a way that you don't like to be used? Like, does your wife or um, mother of your child crazy. say, pause. Like, rapey. Used for your manhood? Yeah. Okay, so. Rapey. Let me finish my thought and maybe it'll it'll clean up. Clean it up. Okay. Now. So, men, do you feel like you are used by your wives or the mother of your children um, and weaponized to discipline your children more? And does it create a dynamic where your kids don't feel like they can be as um, compassionate or have more of a fear factor when it comes to you um, because they think that you're more of the disciplinarian, right? I want y'all to comment and let us know how y'all feel about that. But I, I'm a pivot a little bit because I do think, I do think there is some, this is a nuanced conversation. So I do think there is some positive benefit to it as well. I think that there is also something really 
securing. I don't know if securing. Yeah, securing is the word. I don't know if this is the right word to use here. There's something safe that you feel with knowing, like if something were to go wrong, yo, my dad is the protector. Like the same way, like the same energy that sees him as a disciplinary is the same energy that says nothing can happen to me. Or if something happened to me and I ran inside and told my dad, I'd feel like okay with his, uh, with knowing he'd protect me, right? I, I'm gonna share a story. I, it's story time. It's story time. I'm about to share a story, all right? So my father saved Mike Tyson's life. My father saved Mike Tyson's life. If y'all know Mike, get this video to him. If you don't know Mike, tag him. Cause I'm sure I'm going to make this a social media clip. I'm almost positive of it, but my father saved Mike Tyson's life. So those that don't know Mike Tyson's history and I'm, it's all going to come together. Listen to, to the story. All right. Story time. Mike Tyson's, if you don't know his history, he, by the time he was 13, he had been arrested, I think over 20 times. Mike Tyson was born in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York, um, which is where I'm from, which is where my family's from, where Amanda's from. My dad lived in East New York, Brooklyn, um, which is not too far from Brownsville. Uh, Both really rough sections of Brooklyn coming up, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even now, they are not the best (laughs) neighborhoods um, in in the borough of Brooklyn. Now, when my dad was younger, he had um, my grandmother had given him some money to go get this ski suit. Now, for people that don't know anything about Mike Tyson's history, before he actually became a professional fighter, he was getting in a lot of legal trouble because he and his boys used to be stick-up kids in Brownsville. They used to go to different neighborhoods in Brooklyn, East New York, where my dad is from, Crown Heights, all of the different kinds, of, and they would rob people for their stuff. So one day, my grandmother get, gives my dad money for this ski suit that he wanted, right? It's one at a time, he asked her for this ski suit, my grandmother gives him the money. She gives him a little bit of extra money and says, make sure you take a cab back home, right? My father, trying to be the slickster that he is, decides I'm going to pocket the money. I'm going to just bring a couple of my cousins with me and we're going to walk back home so that I can save the cab bread, right? All right, boom. So my father sees, these, sees a few dudes. One of the dudes who he later identified to be Mike Tyson, right? High-pitched voice, like, yo, give me that suit. A nice suit. I thought you come out the store with that suit, right? You could just so say my it father, right So my father is like, what? So obviously, this is before Iron Mike is known in the public for who he is. And my father goes to swing on the other guys that's with Mike, hits him, connects, right? But when he turns around, he's still holding his key suit in one hand. He turns around. He says he just sees his big fist come towards him, clocks him, he said, all he remembers, he never hit the floor, but he just doesn't remember seeing anything. He said it was a real blackout, right? But he saw the face of the person before they hit him. And it was Mike Tyson, which he later realized, right? So he's like knocked out standing up. They punch in. They take the suit. They run off, right? Long story short, my father gets back home. My grandmother mad at him. Probably slapped him upside his head a couple times. I don't know, but my grandmother heavy-handed, so she probably did, right? And he tells his dad, right? So he tells my grandfather, yo, this guy robbed me for my ski suit. They go to find the people that robbed him. My father knows that my grandfather has his gun in the car, right? 
My father got his ice pack over his eye or whatever. They riding through East New York looking. Now Mike and his boys happen to just still be standing outside kicking it with my father's bag in hand. Right? That's bold. Very bold. Like you got to be gangster to be like, I'm going to rob somebody and I'm not even going to run and hide. I'm going to just be out here with it. Right? My father sees him. He sees him. But he saw my he saw the gun on my grandfather's lap. And he was like, nah, dad, I don't see them. And they went back home. A couple years later, Mike Tyson emerges and becomes one of the greatest fighters of all time. All right, they ain't got nothing to do with why I'm telling this story. I'm telling this story because my father. When he got home, felt safe enough to talk to the disciplinarian of that house. Now, even though he didn't allow my grandfather to do what my grandfather wanted to do, he felt comfortable. So there's a nuance there where it's like, how do men balance and teeter that line of making your children know that they'll always be protected and safe without making them think that they have to fear you to the point where now they can't even like emotionally connect. I personally think one of the starting points, this is just my theory, right? It has to start with collective discipline, like a united front from the mom and the dad to like equally distribute the power to the kid. Like, oh, what mommy says, daddy says, and what daddy says, mommy says. Yeah, yeah. And the you got to be on the same page. Right. And the punishment comes from both of them. Like, the punishment don't have to be we slapping them upside the head. The punishment could be, yo, they're not, not going to have their phone or their tablet or some electronic for a week. And we both stand on that. Yeah. So now it's like, they know we're serious. But then I also build in some kind of other ways of safety so that they also know, yo, if anybody mess with you, come holla at me. It's like, it's tough, but I think that's what we have to kind of like start with. Like, it can't be they get in trouble. I'm going to tell your father all the time because then it takes the power away from you to be able to say, no, I'm going to handle this and I'm going to have this conversation and tell you that this is not okay. And you ain't going to laugh in my face. You're not going to disrespect me. It's not happening. You feel what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something I'm going to work on and be more conscious and aware of that daddy should not always be a threat. It should just be, even if I have to repeat myself and reinforce whatever I said, you know what I'm saying? Because I try not to hit them. Um, Because I just... You don't really hit them like that. Yeah. Unless it's like something crazy. But you don't really hit them. We also, let me say this though. We also got some pretty good kids. I'm a toot my horn. I think we have some really like solid kids and I don't mean that like they're docile and don't make mistakes like they do kid stuff but I don't think I've gotten to the point where I want to be beating my kids like that not yeah. just because of like a lack of I mean not just because of like old self control it's just like I think they don't give a they do kid stuff but they don't give us reasons to be out here just slapping them up yeah. and it, I don't even think we're like faced with that temptation that much yeah. to be like oh I want to hit them so bad but I gotta 
subdue myself. It's like actually, and nah. they're really like re- like they're really like reasonable kids. So they'll ask like, "Hey, mommy, why can't I do this?" Or but why not in a rude way. Or yeah. why did I get in trouble for that? So they're actually they are they'll actually like start a conversation, initiate a conversation around wanting to understand why their behavior was not okay. So that way the the lines of communication are open where I don't have to pop you. Because that way, you know, if I hit you, the message might not get across. Now, now you're just crying and angry and confused. Whereas if we have a conversation about the behavior, at least you understand how to try to not do it again. So... And I'm going to add real quick before you wrap up. I, I'm not against, because I think this is kind of like veering into a little bit of conversation about like corporal punishment and discipline in that way. I'm not against it, but I, I honestly think that it's overused. Like yeah. I think corporal punishment too often is a parent's scapegoat for not doing the heavy work of communicating while they're frustrated yeah it's it's a lot easier to to swing on somebody than to communicate while i'm frustrated yeah. so now if i'm upset i actually got to check myself i got to do some internal work and then give you explanations for why i don't think what you did was okay so like they, that's a lot of complicated work that i don't feel like doing and i think hitting a kid is the easier way out than trying to figure out why my kid is acting up or mm-hmm. why my kid is not following this instruction. What about the way that I gave them this instruction made it unclear for them to know what to do? So now it wasn't disobedience. I just wasn't clear in how I communicated what I needed from them. And then now they're like reacting to, to, to that frustration and that friction. And I think sometimes corporal punishment is overused because it's a, I heard this before. It's a reaction and not a response. Mm. And reactions and responses are different. React like reactions can't control themselves. I have a I have a shellfish allergy. So if I eat shrimp, I don't have to cognitively think about what my body will do. It just reacts. If you have a a, a mosquito like allergy, there's people that get bit by mosquitoes and it just itches. But there's some people whose hands swell up. It's a reaction. You can't control a reaction. And sometimes hitting your kid is a reaction, Mm. not a response. A response, I get the opportunity to actually articulate and collect my thoughts about what I want to say, how I want to answer them, what's the tone I want to use, what what are my biases that I need to check before I respond to them. And they're not the same. Reactions and responses are not the same. And more times than not, I'm going to say honestly, like eight to nine times out of ten, Corporal punishment is like usually a reaction and it's not like this well thought out response that like I'm going to. So once again, it's like I'm not against it. But the more I learn myself, the more I become secure in who I am. I feel like I communicate confidently without needing it. Don't need it. Because they listen. But they listen not because I'm screaming, but because I'm communicating confidently, effectively, efficiently, and I follow through on what I say I'm going to do. So now they trust my word. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to throw that tidbit in there. But you were saying something about how you want to close out. I'm sorry. No, I closed out. Oh, all right. Well, that's all I got. There you have it. Wifeys, wifeys and moms. Stop saying I'm going to tell your dad. And dads, you know, ain't got to be overly aggressive all the time. Let them know you got a tender side. 
but that you can still hem somebody up if they mess with your child. You feel me? Don't use your child to remind them that you super duper strong. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm getting at. All right. We got this tell me more segment. Who's asking the question first? You. I'm asking the question first. All right. I don't know. Here we sure. go. So the question for you is, should we want our partner to need us? <sighs> this felt like a whole episode. Question. Should we want our partner to need us? I don't think so. Mm. I don't know if I'm fully committed to that answer, but I'm leaning more towards no. Um, I think when you feel like you need someone, we, or when we think of a need, we think of something like survival. Like, I need water. I need food. I need air to survive. I wouldn't die without you. It's good to be wanted and felt like my, you know, feel like your life would be lacking in some area without your partner. But mm. to say that, like, I, I don't know if I'm being like extremist or like, you know, thinking too deep about it. But to say I, I need you, there are ways that you contribute to my life that would be not as effective without you or... You know what I'm saying? Like you just make life easier in certain ways or more joyful in certain ways. Um, but to say that I can't function in this area without a partner, I think that's unhealthy. Like you should be able to hold it down without someone present. Now, if that person contributes to your life in a way that um, certain aspects of life or certain areas of life are are better, then awesome. But to not be able to function without someone there. I don't know how good, how healthy that is. I disagree. Okay. But that's not the, that is not the. You got 30 seconds rebuttal. I think that there are a lot of things that we need that if our lives lacked, our survivability and adaptability as humans causes us to find like substitutions for. So there are needs we have that when they're not met, there are lower quality answers or, 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 or solutions for housing is a need. There's a lower quality version of that shelters, boxes, <laughs> on the street, benches, parks, couch, couch hopping. Th- th- that's not what I want my life to be like. But I still, I st- like the 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 need still exists, even if there's a lower quality version of it. And I think that love is a need for our souls. And if it's not with you, I think it'll be a lower quality version but I would want you to feel the same about me that I'm the best that you could have. Just like, I feel like you're the best that I could have and that we need each other in an interdependent way, not in a codependent way. I think there's a unhealthiness about codependence, but there's a healthiness about interdependence and interdependence does necessitate that we need each other for certain things. 
And if you ended up not in my life, yes, I'd have to bounce back, but it would just be like the shelter housing example. Like I'd have to find a lower quality of that need, but it doesn't change that. I, I want you to feel needed and I want to be needed. That's just my opinion. But we, we don't got to go on a tangent about that. Yeah. All right. You got a question for me? I do. Should your partner have to work for forgiveness? Should they have to work for forgiveness? Mm-hmm. They, they, well, yeah. Like if they did something wrong? Mm-hmm. They transgress you in some way. Do you automatically forgive them just for the, your mental and emotional well-being? Or, you know, for your own sanity and peace of mind, because forgiveness, I believe, is really more so about personal peace than um, making amends. But should someone that trans, should your partner have to work to gain your forgiveness or is it just like automatic and then you kind of work through growing from the situation? (laughs) You asked that in a very long way. Sorry, I did. (laughs) I understood it from the first time. Should I, should you have to work for forgiveness? Absolutely not. You do have to work for my trust. Heard you. So if you, if you breach my trust, I can forgive you and we move on. But that doesn't mean I trust you right away. And I can, I can forgive you and still have reservations about how much I trust you. Hmm. Like if you mismanage money, I'm not about to beef with you over it. Right. But I may not trust you with giving you that same responsibility. So I'm going to take over it. So like the trust has to be regained. But the forgiveness, no, you can get that immediately. And you have to work for it in the name of Jesus. All right, y'all. That has been another episode of this Functional Family Podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. Do all the things to the episode. Algie all boosting. of the things. Algie boosting. Comment, like, download, Algie share, boosting. save. Everything. Algie boosting. Shop predisposedclothing.com. Head to our website for the full for some of our full favorites. I'm currently wearing one of the colorways of our best things crew neck. Super warm, super cozy. Algie boosting. You deserve to wear. Liberated luxury clothing. Algie boosting. Hit that site. We love y'all. We'll see you for episode. Those don't know. is algorithm. I'm trying to like send them to the website and. Readersoulsclothing.com. Episode 33 is next. Next, <laughs> next? time. Next time. <laughs>